0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's
1: plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 33, Candy Canes. Today's proverb is from Gustav Mahler. I'll read it twice. Tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. Once more. Tradition is not the worship of ashes, ...but the preservation of fire. I like this proverb because there's enough here to offend just about everyone. There's something here to offend conservatives. There's something here to offend liberals. And it takes a very certain understanding of tradition... ...which is not terribly common among anyone anymore to really appreciate Mahler's wisdom. So let me start by making a few comments here about aspects of this proverb that conservatives, self-identified conservatives, are apt to find offensive. Tradition is not... The worship of ashes, which is another way of saying that tradition, traditional minded people, conservatives, are not aiming to bring back some golden age from long ago. There was no golden age. If it was truly a golden age, it wouldn't be from long ago. It would have lasted. Golden things last. This is a common misconception among people who are involved in classical Christian education. I've been teaching in classical schools for 12 years, and I meet a fair number of people or are under the impression that classical schools are for people who believe that the apex of American history was sometime between, I don't know, 1780 and 1950. And that somewhere in that period, America was an absolutely perfect place to be. And that the perfection of this America was betokened by pallity, dignity, good manners, children referring to their elders as sir and ma'am, legal penalties for various forms of vice, opportunities that were common to all or to many, and a sort of environment where anyone could make something of himself if he was only willing to pull himself up by the bootstraps. And there are plenty of people who are involved in classical education who think that a classical school is trying to turn back the clock to some ideal time where children were safe to run down the streets. And, and then a classical school simply wants to bring back all the manners that were typical of those eras, an era when children could play freely in the park, apart from their parents' supervision, and no one had to worry about pedophiles and kidnappers and all the rest. But Mahler says that tradition is not about the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire, which is to say that tradition is concerned with things that have lasted. Tradition is not about bringing things back from the dead. you cannot bring back things from the dead that have lasted. If they had lasted, they would not be dead. Now, you might say that this quote is equally offensive to a certain kind of conservative temperament and a certain kind of liberal temperament because the quote really denies the idea that there was ever any sort of golden age, but also that there ever will be a golden age. And these are sort of the dual temptations of certain forms of conservatism, most forms of liberalism. The conservatives tempted to believe that there was some golden age long ago, and the is tempted to believe that there is some golden age in the future. And people who believe that there is a golden age in the remote past are willing to do a number of absurd things to try to resurrect it. And people who believe that there's a golden age in the future are willing to do some very violent and horrific things to bring it close. But tradition, a belief in the efficacy and goodness of tradition is not about recreating a golden age. It's about preserving golden things. Now, I would say that the liberal assessment of the past and the conservative assessment of the past are similar. You might say that the one thing, the one important thing that liberals and conservatives agree on is the past. Now, it's a slight difference, but... If you are to ask any sort of well-read conservative, I mean a conservative who's read books on conservative thought that are more than 100 years old, maybe even more than 200 years old, you'll find that conservatives have a long history of believing the world. is a very dark place. God created the world good. And then man invited the devil to come and take over. And it's been pretty glum going ever since then. Man was created to take dominion over the earth. But in rejecting God, the earth takes dominion over men and ultimately reduces him to dust. And when the conservative looks at the past, he sees a long time. And very grievous catalog of sins and crimes and acts of depravity that break the heart. Now, this is exactly what the progressive sees when the progressive looks at the past. And in this way, conservatives and progressives have something significant in common. They both look at the past and they both see the past as a dark place, a place full of suffering Frailty, ephemerality, failed plots, licentiousness, evil, betrayal. The difference, of course, is really a metaphysical one. And I've written about this before. It is the subject of my next book. The difference between... The conservative assessment of the past and the progressive assessment of the past has everything to do with rival conceptions of man's orientation in time. Conservatives believe that man is oriented toward the past, that he faces the past— and that the future is behind us, and that men walk backwards into the future. Progressives, on the other hand, believe that the past is behind us and the future is in front of us, and we choose whatever spot on the horizon is most attractive and run toward it at a breakneck pace. And this might go some way in accounting for why the world has changed so rapidly since the French Revolution. Before the French Revolution, people believed the future was behind us and that we walked blindly into it, and thus it behooved us to walk slowly. If you're walking backwards over unfamiliar terrain, every step is slowly plotted. But after the French Revolution, we came to believe that the future was in front of us. Christians, too, now accept this idea. And that where we end up is entirely dependent on our own wills, our own desires. And because our own desires change so much, the world changes so much. And we believe that our wills can trump our natures, that our wills can best and beat our natures into submission. On the other hand, the conservative believes that man's metaphysical orientation toward the past limits him, and that our wills are limited by our nature, and that when our wills buck up against our natures, if our wills know what is good for them, they will conform to our natures. But when the future is in front of us, our wills determine everything. And it's hard to convince a man who believes that the future is in front of him that he's not free to choose whatever spot on the horizon he likes best and to run toward it. Now, because the conservative believes that the past is in front of us and that we have it to survey... We can see all of the horrible failures in human history. We can see how time devours feeling, time devours memory, time devours all, but not everything. And that's what tradition is. Tradition is that rare thing that survives the ravages of time this is the reason why conservatives tend to be so impressed with things that are stable because the conservative is oriented towards the past he knows that virtually every human project ever conceived fails horribly The conservative knows how ephemeral and passing his own convictions are, his own feelings. And if something can survive, if something is precious enough that several generations of men can deem it worthy of preservation, it is a terribly odd thing, and you need to hold on to it as best you can. Now, the liberal or the progressives' complaint with tradition is that it's not perfect. Conservatives are interested in what works. Liberals want to know how it could work better. Liberals tend to not be impressed with stability. When the progressive encounters a stable thing, he immediately looks to improve it. When a conservative encounters a stable thing, they immediately want to preserve it. Now, Mahler says that tradition is the preservation of fire. It's an interesting choice of word. It recalls, in my mind, the Greek notion that fire and knowledge are interchangeable, basically. That Prometheus scaled Mount Olympus and brought down fire. Do you remember the story? Prometheus and his idiot brother Apometheus are charged with stalking the earth full of creatures. And Apometheus gives all of the good weapons to the animals. Talons, fangs, poison, speed, wings. And then what's left over is man, this soft, squishy, fleshy thing that's easily torn apart. Can't run fast, can't fly, no poison, no talent. And because he sympathizes with mankind and his frail state, Prometheus scales Met Olympus, tricks Zeus, and brings down fire, which is symbolic of contemplation and ability to understand the past and the future. And this makes him not only distinct from the animals, but far more powerful than the animals as well. And thus there's this sort of ancient connection between fire and knowledge established in Greek myths. So let's read the Mahler quote that way. Tradition is about the preservation of knowledge. Now... In order to preserve knowledge, this might seem a a terribly banal thing to point out. In order to preserve knowledge, you must believe that the past has some bearing on the present and the future. Which means that you have to believe that certain conditions of life on earth do not or cannot change. And this is simply to believe in human nature. If you believe there are certain conditions of life on Earth that do not change, you have at least agreed to the concept of Mother Nature, but you, in agreeing to the concept of Mother Nature, you invariably end up with the concept of human nature as well. Human nature, that all mankind is born with a sort of invisible spiritual blueprint that determines A very narrow range for his potential happiness and contentment and that if a human being would be content he must honor the limitations imposed on him by his nature. To return to a reference for which the entire show proverbial sprung from, you may drive out nature with a pitchfork but she keeps coming back. You can fight your nature with your will, but your will will lose. So the very concept of tradition suggests that some things do not change. That some things do not change implies transcendence, implies a spirit, a soul. And thus the idea that there are limitations to human life which guide a man towards contentment and satisfaction. And when those limitations are resisted or fought, man is unhappy. Now, it's intriguing that Mahler describes tradition as the preservation of fire or the preservation of knowledge. Tradition itself preserves knowledge. Note that Mahler doesn't say Tradition helps us preserve knowledge. This is really fascinating. This is the point at which this proverb goes deep. Tradition is not a tool that helps us preserve knowledge, which is to say tradition is not a mnemonic device. Tradition is not an empty cup that we fill with things we know. The very act of carrying on a tradition is an incarnate way of knowing. Tradition is sacramental then. Traditions are incarnate forms of knowing, incarnate forms of communion even. Now, this is entirely opposed to the progressive conception of not only traditions and symbols, but knowledge itself. That Knowledge is born of the ego. Knowledge is born of an ability to describe, or that knowledge and description, power of knowledge, power of description, are one and the same. And thus that which a man does not know or cannot explain is not real christians have never believed this well traditionally christians have never believed this but they've unfortunately come to believe in this secularist notion of knowledge which is that a tradition becomes meaningless at the point people cannot remember where the tradition comes from or why it was instituted now this is of course done no favors to tradition because tradition Most traditions in and of themselves are material ways of preserving knowledge, not reference points for knowledge. The point of a tradition is to keep knowledge alive through physical means, not through purely intellectual means. Because there are so many things a man needs to know, and there is not enough time in his life to study all of them, traditions exist to aid in the limitations of being human. You don't have time to search out the origin of everything. That's why traditions are here. Traditions are not obscuring knowledge. And they're not empty simply because we do not know where they come from. So this is the explanation that I offer to my students every year of all manner of traditions that are associated with Christmas. There's a lot of Christians who have allowed the meaning of Christmas and their joy in Christmas to be sucked out by secularists who are constantly reminding Christians that they don't know where all their Christmas traditions come from. Candy canes, wreaths, ornamental... Decorations for uh, Christmas trees, holly and the ivy, red and green, etc. But what Mahler says is that tradition preserves knowledge in and of itself. Some things we know with our minds. Some things we know with our mouths. That's what candy canes are. The candy cane, according to Mahler, is a preservation of knowledge in and of itself. And thus, to eat the candy cane is to consume a traditional form of knowledge. Tradition is the means by which history is relived, not remembered, but relived. That might be this crucial difference between conservative and progressive understandings of what Symbols are what tradition tradition is. For the conservative, for the traditionalist, traditions are not about remembering. They're about reliving. They're about doing things over again. They're about entering into a sacred time, which is not chronological, but eminent. And when we enter into this higher form of time... It's not the past that we're encountering, but the present. It's for this reason that traditionally, on Easter Sunday, Christians say Christ is risen, not he arose, past tense, he is risen. And you'll still find certain Christian traditions that say Christ is born on December 25th. It's not the past that's being recalled, but an eternal moment that traditions allow us entrance into.